passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As if they don't have too much on their plates, the Kings of Combat Sports Podcast, John and Wade. They talk about the things they did that day. They'll analyze the work of Vince and Triple H. Rewind to SmackDown. Rewind to SmackDown. Rewind to SmackDown. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rewind to SmackDown. John Pollock, waiting with you on a Friday night. How are you, Way? Doing all right, John. Yourself? Uh, I I was exhausted after today. Today was a very, very busy day, and I know you were very busy. Yeah, it was just a there was a lot of stuff to do today, and I was I just had one of those days where by four thirty, five o'clock, I had been sitting in this same position for like eight hours looking at this damn screen and typing, and I just had to get up and go for a super long walk because I just felt like a zombie. And sitting down to watch SmackDown was not the uh, watching anything uh, in front of a screen did not sound all that enticing to me. But but I'm good. I'm good now. Did you get a second win? Uh, yeah, because it's pretty windy out right now. It's pretty damn cold. So I got I got multiple wins outside. All the wins, all the wins are are required, I suppose, on a day like today. Mm-hmm. Are you getting out a lot, or or at least like once a day? Mm, usually just to drive, um, mm-hmm. just to pick up, um, Pauline. But beyond that, I. I don't really go for walks or anything. No. You know what I've started to do now? Uh, I didn't do it today, but most days now, my, I just go get into the car and I just drive, and it's just so relaxing. I'll sometimes take Max, and he'll like have a nap in the car, and I'll, dude, I will drive for like an hour and a half, two hours. Wow, interesting. I, I I'm that's like cool. catching up with friends now, where I'm phoning them. Oh, in the that's car. Great. Yeah. yeah. Do you have to tell them in advance, hey, I'm going to call you, or do you, is it just a cold call? Uh, I, I did a cold call uh, to a mutual friend on Thursday, and I, I was explaining this to him that I I feel like it's almost a burden now. If you call someone, it's like, oh, what does this person want? So I'm very selective of who I call, and this person, I figured they would embrace the phone call because they are very much high on the phone call as opposed to the text. Are, are you FaceTiming? No, or no. I mean, I'm driving. I just put on speakerphone. I, I guess I meant normally, like you know, not not while you're driving, but like, are you are you doing video calls with people or is it just audio? Um, 
I mean, I FaceTime with my parents and I've been doing I've been doing Zoom with some of my friends. And then other than that, it's just regular phone calls. I mean, it's a lot to just uh, boom. You just cold video call someone. I mean, that's that's a lot. That's a that's an extra layer. That's an extra level. I'm I'm actually perfectly fine not seeing your face, like not not seeing anybody's faces. You yeah, know? you you haven't even seen my new my new hair color. I uh, what is it? Oh wait a minute! You see me like every Thursday when we do the video stuff. So I can't even pull that one on you or anyone listening yeah. to this. So yeah. that was a poor attempt. But I mean, well, you know, I know there are people that insist on like doing the video call, and I'm like, I know what you look like, man. You're not going to change your face all that much in the next, you know, conversation. Like what I what I don't like about video calls is that I I can't do anything else. Like sometimes I I, I like talking like this, and then I might go on my phone. I might like you know browse the internet or something, or my I might even like do the dishes. I might actually do something while I'm talking to you. Um, but like if I have to look at you. I can't do anything else. I just have to look at you. You can be doing other stuff, dude. Like anyone that tunes into the Hangout, you think I'm just staring there? I'm like working. I'm do- I'm like on constant like other sites and stuff. I mean, I'm doing the show. I hope I'm doing an adequate job, but I'm doing many things. Like I can't just stand there and just stare. Problem with FaceTime, at least on on your cell phone, is that you can't when you log out of FaceTime or like when you when you like open a browser or something, it it kills the video. Oh, okay. I, uh, I'm a novice when it comes to FaceTime. I use it very, very sparingly. All I'm saying is audio is perfectly fine. Okay. Everyone has been warned. Like, don't, don't call away at all. I mean, just send them. You, do you realize that uh snail mail right now? It's really earning its, its nickname. It's taking, uh, I got mail today that was sent two weeks ago from Toronto just to here. It took two weeks to arrive. Like, obviously the. The post office, post office is not our post office, but the other post office is probably uh, significantly uh, bogged down right right now. So mail is slower. Everything's slower. Everything's slower. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah. Anybody who I think has tried to order, um, I guess, uh, I don't know, any sort of uh, things that aren't from Amazon, I suppose. I suppose Amazon is still pretty fast, aren't they? No, but even I would say even Amazon's pretty bogged down with uh, with delays and everything. So yeah, the the whole world world's basically operating at, um, I don't know, maybe not just a slower capacity, much slower capacity. I was gonna say like you know maybe a prior decades capacity, but maybe maybe mail is actually faster. Do you have a mask? Oh yeah, yeah. I have I have a actually I have like a homemade one um i have a homemade one too but i haven't worn it out yet but i'm I'm gonna start wearing it i have been like when i go for a walk it's just i feel like i'm almost like one of the few now not wearing one and i just feel uh i i have one i have no excuse not to be wearing it so I, I've, be wearing I've been it. i've been wearing them like any you know anytime i go to the grocery store really anytime i go to any sort of store mm-hmm. uh and and be sure to carry also like if you have any like lysol wipes carry them with you before you go to like um the grocery store or even like when you're pumping gas Basically, when you touch shit, just like wipe wipe it down or and and wash your hands if you can. Last story, and then we'll move on. I went to the convenience store today, and I crossed the street, and this woman like walked up to the convenience store and just stopped and was waiting there. I was like, oh, okay, there's a line to go into the convenience store, and I'm standing behind her and I'm waiting and I'm looking in. And it's like it's it's literally just the person that's working in there that's in there, but it's like. 
if this person is waiting, I feel very rude just going around and in. And then it turned to a green light and she just crossed the sidewalk or the street. To But she waited for – this was like three-minute awkward waiting where I'm just like standing behind this person and she is waiting for the light to go green. And I thought she was waiting to go into the convenience store. So it's just all these uh, – Hmm. All this new etiquette, etiquette that I'm trying to learn. I mean, my God, it's uh, it's tough. This is why I stay inside. I don't want to deal with that. You should see some of the lines. Like one thing that has opened my eyes is with all this driving uh, that I've been doing is just all the stores that the lineups are just getting crazier and everyone's close. And there's just these lines down streets like wrapping around. It's it's unbelievable. I walked by an LCBO today. It had to have 50 people in line outside. I guess Friday is probably peak time for last week was even crazier because they were shutting down for all but one day over the weekend. So everyone was stocking up, but it's uh, these lineups are just out- outrageous. Did you see the lineup of uh, Vesuvio's? Yes, I did. There's this famous like this uh, pizza place in the West End of the city that is closing after something like 60 some odd years and there was this gigantic turnout of people who want to go to Vesuvio's before it closes. I mean, it might it might have the reverse effect of like prolonging it for them, you would think. Uh, the business, you mean? If so many people are showing up in this final week, I mean, it might be enough to get them through, like uh, mm. at least for uh, a little bit. I don't know. I don't know. When, when have you ever seen a lineup at Vesuvio's in your life? Beyond two or three people. Uh, yeah, okay. But I, I would say maybe a day's worth of, or a weekend's worth of long lineups. I don't know if that'll be enough to to cover, like, you know, however long that they might need to. I, I mean, I I, 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 don't, I feel like once you've decided to close up shop, it, it probably, you, you, I don't know if one weekend would, would be able to turn things around like that. Sam the Record Man once had this liquidation sale. This was around 2001. And I went there just to see if there were any bargains and stuff. And side story was I'm in there and this woman next to me is like looking at some CDs or something. And I recognize it's Queen Latifah right next to me. And no way. Yeah. She was just just there in the store. And it ended up like they had this enormous success and the store kept going. Well, only for so long. Only for so long. Now it's uh, Sam the Record Man, which – was an institution in Toronto, but is no more. Okay, well, have a great weekend, everyone. SmackDown uh, had some qualifying matches and new tag team champions. Done? Uh, I think we're done, yep. Rocky Maivia Picture Show comes out tomorrow. Be sure to get hey, the new t-shirt at store.postwrestling.com. Definitely go check out. I am excited. I haven't even seen this design, so I will be logging into uh, what What's the uh, site again? Store.postwrestling.com. And joining Nate on this episode will be our man, Neil. Our man Neil uh, making it up to co-host status with Neil uh, with Nate. So mm-hmm. look forward to that as they review Journey to the Mysterious Island, starring you won't believe this Dwayne the Rock Johnson. And I want to give a big shout out to the British Wrestling Experience who have dropped what I think is like candidate for podcast of the year. I mean the the reaction I've seen to this, and uh, by my own admission, I was swamped today, so I have only heard a little bit of it, but I will certainly be listening to the rest. Uh, with guest Joe Lemon joining Benno and Jamesy as they chat about the WWE cuts from this week and then dive into ROH Unified 2006 with a review of Brian Danielson and Nigel McGuinness 
that the great Alan Forel has called one of the greatest match breakdowns he has ever heard. And believe me, that covers some ground from one Alan Coonahan. Wow, that's that that really is high praise, and I think uh, 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 seems seemingly very deserved. Much like you, John, I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, um, but I I really do love the idea of these guys going back and reviewing like really important match uh, pay per views and and matches, I suppose, from uh, the history of uh, UK professional wrestling, at least in, in recent years. And you know, I know Benno and Jamesy have a lot of like personal anecdotes that they're they're able to. Uh, bring to these discussions. I look forward to learning more about the Ring of Honor bus. It, I think that the 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 word of mouth of this podcast. I think if anyone listening to this has any connection to Honor Club or the ROH's YouTube, I think they should put Unified up for everybody now. I think that's a great idea. Absolutely. So go check that out. And then uh, Sunday is the season finale of Thunderstruck where WH Park is joined by yours truly, and let's just say that the uh, the silent hero in this show's delivery is one waiting. Oh, come on. Um, there, there, there were some technical uh, hiccups along the way, and Way brought this thing back to life. So that is all we will say, and you will get the show on Sunday. I was, 24 hours ago, I was a little worried, but... Way, way pulled it through. Not odd problem. Happy to salvage some of this um this this wonderful finale of you and WH talking about the last week of Jushin Liger's career. Yes, that uh the three of us were all there for. So we'll be chatting about his final two matches at Wrestle Kingdom and then the ceremony at New Year's Dash. Also, uh, I wanted to give uh, a shout out to yourself for the great interview that you conducted with Ardar Ocal. That's up on our website right now on our free feed where. You guys have an in-depth discussion about Arda's experiences with uh, Howard Finkel. Yeah, it was uh, – we, we we had been talking on, on Thursday and we're able to uh, uh, get together on Friday to do this interview. And, you know, Arda was obviously very influenced by Howard Finkel and then going to WWE got to, got to work alongside Howard and they became – very good friends, and Arda shared some really fun stories, including the first time he met Howard, and Howard just uh, – it's a great story about how they first met, and shared some interesting stuff about Howard explaining why he did certain things. Like if you always notice why he always introduced Brett Hitman Hart, and it was never the Hitman. He explains that, and just putting a certain emphasis on – on on names and and how to like build up an announcement and just little things like that that I found really interesting as well and Howard Finkel's career highlight which maybe will surprise people so all of that is in the interview with Arda Ocal which is up on the site and uh thankful that uh, Arda could join me for uh for a half hour to chat about Howard Finkel and what's going on with him at ESPN so PostWrestling.com, it's got all of your latest news. We're going to dive into a bit of it. And a big story coming out today, courtesy of Pro Wrestling Sheets' Ryan Satin, is that in the course of a week, the WWE has yet again changed their planned taping schedule. A week ago, the idea was we're going to tape five weeks' worth of shows in a couple of days' time. That was switched on the first day of taping into, no, we're just going to go live with everything weekly. And then today, this report came out that over the next week, um, Raw, NXT, and next week's SmackDown will still go live. But then beginning Saturday, April 25th, 
and for the foreseeable future, taping days will largely cover two episodes. So, for instance, a week from Saturday, they will tape the May 1st and May 8th edition of SmackDown. Then on Monday, they would tape two episodes of Raw. Then on that Wednesday, two episodes of NXT. And they're going to continue moving forward, and the idea would be to tape about two weeks worth. The positive to that being that this is a longer break for your talent as opposed to, uh, say, a Raw performer that does a show Monday. They'll tape two episodes, and then they don't have to be back for two weeks. So you're trying to... Uh, extend that amount of time away and limit travel. And, you know, it was it was funny that the story came down because I, I had spent like the last couple of days doing all of this research into their television tapings and looking at past financials. I think the the kind of hidden part of all of this is the enormous amount of savings that the WWE is undergoing by doing a schedule like this, just cutting down on the number of taping days and to that point, way the fact that the WWE is now reverting to this, where we will see a lot more taped episodes, would seem that the idea to go live was, I would imagine, WWE's choice and not outside forces from Fox or NBC Universal that were holding them to anything. Like this would seem that they, like that was a WWE decision from the sounds of this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I guess there exists the possibility that, you know, some, some further discussion might have taken place between perhaps WWE and either network. Uh, Possible, to, yeah. To, to, to change things or maybe just to clarify, hey, what exactly, you know, is the circumstance of our, our current deal? Uh, do you want us to go live every single week? Oh, you don't necessarily need it? Great. So then let's do this. Now, what I find interesting is how... Uh, rather than I would say maybe revert back to the type of uh, taping schedule that they had um, originally set out for last weekend and also the one that they attempted for WrestleMania, essentially like having the talent in, in town and taping for like five days straight, for instance, they yeah. decided to, to instead do something like this, which is sort of a combination of, you know, both going live and also going taping. It's not the best of the three, but it's not the worst of the three. It's right in the middle. So it seems like they are going to be using Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday as their taping days. And, you know, that I think makes sense to have all of your crew in place to to work a straight straight session. Uh, but it also says that there's a possibility that Raw can be live, right, on the Mondays because they will be shoot taping on Mondays. Yeah, so in theory, in theory, on the Mondays, you could tape backwards where, for instance, on April 27th, you could tape that night – or sorry, tape the following week's show first and then do Raw Live that night, which does open yourself up to complications. I mean if somebody um, you know, got injured, hurt on, yeah, sure. on next week's show but was scheduled to be on tonight's show, I mean – you, you you do run that risk uh, of issues. I would think at this point, it's if you're able to do this schedule, I can't imagine that they're holding you to make sure it's live. I right. would I would hope that they can just get away with you know taping in order that day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, the other thing is, of course, uh, there are no tapings on Friday, so all SmackDowns will for sure be taped. Additions. Right. Uh, but yeah, no. It seems like this is some sort of like you know interesting compromise between the two. Um, uh, you know, I think, I think we're happy to see that talent at least won't be enforced to fly in, um, every single week. However, flying in every two weeks that poses, it still poses its, its own issues. 
this is not ideal. It's just what we're, we're – it's almost like this um, interesting negotiation was that the the initial uh, proposal was, okay, we're continuing on with tapings. We've got this, this several-day schedule planned, and people are not crazy about it, but they're going to go ahead with it. Then it's changed to we're going live every week, and that's significantly worse. So then when you have this rolled out – well, it's it's not the original one where we were going to get four or five weeks off after, but it's not going live every week. So it's almost like, well, we'll take this over the alternative. But the, this one still poses its risks. I mean, let's not let's not kid ourselves here. But it's if you're telling me between the two of going live every week versus this, I mean, certainly you're going to lean towards this option. It really is insane when you look at it, how many hours of content they are still intending on producing at a time like this, you know, every single week. Um we're talking two SmackDowns, two Raws, like that. That's already um, 20 hours plus. Well, they did cut out 205 Live tonight. It was just tape matches um, selected by Brian Kendrick. So, I mean, it's a small part, but, I mean, there's no reason to be doing that show uh, any longer. So, um, yeah, and I would say the same for AEW is that the, if it, it, when they have to address more tapings, like throwing Dark out would t- be, uh, to me, a no, no question about it. Yeah, sorry, I said twenty. Um, I meant so you had t- you basically have ten plus you have four for NXT, so fourteen that they're attempting to tape it during like these three day sessions. Do you think that there will be any change to the amount of new matches that uh, specifically to Raw? Like, how do you think the flow of the show is going? And do you think that they we might start to see more taped content, or do you think that's an experiment that they have moved on from after the lead up to WrestleMania? I, I would assume that it's a constant, um, you know, perhaps tinkering. Um, uh, you're constantly kind of reevaluating. I think what's necessary versus what what you can really get away without uh, having to to shoot live every single week. You know, seeing that they're going to do at least two episodes a day for for these sessions, I would assume that. Um, they would try to limit perhaps the in-ring um, number one for the time that's required. Um, but secondly, also just for the risk, uh, the health risks involved. I mean, I really do feel like that should be the main issue at the forefront of everything. If you're going to go ahead and do any of this stuff, the the ability to, to mitigate as much risk as possible while you're doing it is to me really just the most important conversation that we should be having. And if that means, you know, cutting out a match so that two or three more or four more participants don't enter that ring um, to spread their droplets all around and instead airing a, a classic match or a video interview or something like that, I really would like to see that uh, take place. Um, the, the whole schedule is on the Pro Wrestling Sheet uh, website, but uh, absent from this listing is where Money in the Bank is. It's being advertised for May 10th. And on Friday, they announced that the Money in the Bank ladder matches would be done at WWE headquarters and are being billed as a climb the corporate ladder match, um, <laughs> which the, the timing of that this week is uh, is something else. So that has already been taped this week at Stanford. So that's done. And the rest of the matches, I'm under the impression, are going to be done at the Performance Center. I don't know when they're being done uh, but just looking at this, like it would seem silly to do those live on May 10th when all of these performers are going to be there uh, for these 
these upcoming TV tapings that, yes, it's more to do, but if you could knock off an extra match and then do the Money in the Bank stuff, um, be it April 25th, April 27th, that would seem the, the most logical way to go about taping these Money in the Bank matches. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I think the logic is just so hard to calculate when you're talking about something as ridiculous as this. What the schedule? I can't believe I'm, like we're even looking at a schedule like this. Yeah, yeah. I it it would make sense to try to do that as much as as you can beforehand. Um, at the same time, I I could see them just using that Sunday, May tenth, to actually. I mean, they're taping the Monday and Tuesday after Money in the Bank, so I guess you could do it. But yeah. to me, it's just like if you don't have to, then then don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but I, I don't know for sure what they're doing with the rest of the, the Depen- Money in the Bank matches. You know, it depends on the on the talent, the schedule of, of, of the talents that are supposed to be in town. I must, I would assume not everybody's going to be in town for you know the April twenty fifth or April twenty seventh shows. But yeah, who knows? Uh, all right, so let's. Uh, Let's move on from there. Um, anything you just want to add? Because we didn't really get to t- touch on Howard Finkel too much on on the uh, on the hangout on on Thursday. But just obviously, there's been so many tributes pouring in for Howard Finkel. It really comes across like this guy was the the genuine article among so many people. Incredibly endearing individual who was you know for so many of these wrestlers that grew up. Um, with him such a big part of their their childhood, and then it sounds like meeting him, um, the complete opposite of the fear of meeting your heroes. It was like this guy w- was that, and then some to those that finally got to meet him. He just seemed like a just th- such a happy individual that loved wrestling. It's it's certainly the sense I've always had, you know. Some and, and again, as I, I kind of briefly touched on uh, when we were discussing this initially, somebody who just seemed to have absolutely zero ego about. Um, I think his really legendary status in combat sports. And um, I, I, I think, you know, he, he is almost somebody that you, I, I, I'm not going to, like, we all think about him, like, while he was uh, active and, you know, especially, like, when he was taken off the TV, uh, I think he was sorely missed. At the same time, I just don't necessarily feel like we all grasp, at least I personally did, grasp the level of just um, importance that I think he had uh, to, you know, professional wrestling as a whole until perhaps a week like this, where it just, when you do, when, man, seeing that video package that they did today, like his voice is over pretty much like my biggest memories of, um, you know, uh, professional wrestling uh, throughout my childhood and maybe even into my adulthood as well. Uh, And, and prior to that, you know, just uh, when I think about a default sound, of a professional wrestling announcer. It's, it's him. Yeah. My, my lone time meeting Howard Finkel. Um, I talked about it with Arda, but it was in 2012 at this wrestling convention in town and you were there as well. And, uh, I just, it, it like was just this, uh, this chance encounter where, um, Dan Lebransky went and interviewed him and then he found me after and he said, Howard Finkel, wants to say hi to you. And I've never met Howard Finkel in my life. So I, I made sure to go out of my way to just find him and, and say hello and just had a really nice conversation with him. And that was really the only time I got to meet him. But it sounds like that that was that that was just a small example of, of what this guy was like. Yeah. And I, and at that time, I, I, I suppose 
was he aware of you through like websites, uh, like through through the online stuff? Because I knew that I've got to imagine. Like I had no uh, like understanding of how he would even know who I was. But that was, uh, but that was his job at WWE, right? He did like that was the 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 job. I don't know if he was still doing this in 2012, but yes, he would like scan all all the sites and stuff. And I know he did follow like the law and stuff. And that was, and then he would he would put his report together, and that was kind of monitoring the online news in the industry just envisioning like howard finkel joining like a message board that i might have been on maybe having an argument flame war with me like when i was 20 or or 18 or something i don't know maybe you can go check your uh maybe it's cached somewhere on your on your system maybe he was on the roh board uh i think the roh board was covered heavily on the uh british wrestling experience it sounds like yes yes um, so yes, rest in peace to Howard Finkel. He was uh, 69 years old, and I, I mentioned it today that I think he'd be a cool thing if they took the clip every year and had Howard Finkel recite the rules of the Royal Rumble for everyone to, uh, that that's watching and just play it for the arena every I think, year. I think that's a great idea. Um, you know, provided they don't change the rules, I suppose. To the to the, like the, I don't know I don't know what even they would do but any sort of like some sort of like ceremonial like you know a, a reason to hear his voice uh, prior to WrestleMania or some big show like that I think that I think that would be wonderful. It's just such an iconic voice, so associated with the product, and I would say that had he been someone that didn't have such a love for WWE as well like when he was taken off of television if he had had the desire to ever leave I I think that he would have done very well in like any other combat sports setting as an announcer yeah even even with the pro wrestling affiliation which sometimes can work against people but I think he would have been like in a strike force or with a whether it be boxing um he just had that tremendous voice that I, I think he would have been very successful outside of WWE if he ever chose to leave. But the, he was he was a lifer. He loved that place. So that was not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a few more names that have uh, circulated uh, regarding cuts on the NXT side. And with NXT, like they do not publicly announce uh, cuts. So it's pretty much up to the performers or if names get reported. So ones that we are aware of now. MJ Jenkins, uh, Deanna Perrazzo, uh, Alexander Joksic, uh, we had mentioned some of these, Nick Ogarelli, uh, and Josiah Williams uh, from Wrestle and Flow uh, prior to going to WWE. Uh, PW Insider has announced uh, Tainara Conti, Cesar Bonone, and Mars Wang with Fightful adding Tino Sabatelli's name and the Wrestling Observer site listing Dan Matha, John Loquasto, and Alyssa Marino. Um, as well, we had the the furloughed uh, coaches at the Performance Center in Ace Steel, Serena Deeb, and Kendo Caution. So um, I guess we'll also just be alert if any more names come come down um, as well. Yeah, yeah. It, it, these are kind of stranger ones where um, I, I suppose, like, are there – basically, like, do we know what they're leaving with? Do we know – um, I don't know. Like I, I, I would say. Like, I, I think the, the I think the NXT talent. It sounds like it's it's like thirty day, um, like no right. compete clauses, uh, as opposed to the main roster that's that's ninety days. Right. Okay. Understood. Yeah. And it. it sorry. Go ahead. 
I was going to ask you, because I was talking to someone about this, if you were someone on the NXT side, would you want your name announced publicly? And, you know, here here's the the both sides of the argument. Number one is obviously it's it's a it's a traumatic event when you're being let go, but you know, for future bookings and stuff, do you want that news out there for the most people to know that you are available for bookings? And th- does that help you, especially when you are, you know, a, a lesser known name than than someone on the main roster? Does it make any difference to me as a pro wrestler? I would, I, I think the answer is yes. You know, I think any mm-hmm. any sort of publicity that you can get uh, at a time like this is going to benefit you. Um, to not it just be... circulates that much more and you know in a normal environment where indie shows are running it's okay this person's available and instead of you know you having to be the one to disclose it i mean maybe sometimes it's a bit easier if the band-aid's ripped off by the company just putting it out there i mean everyone's gonna have different uh opinions but i would think for nxt talent there might be um a, a hidden benefit to at least it's out there and others can know about it yeah, that's that's how I I personally feel. I mean, if we've seen right now, there are certain talents that have already kind of parlayed. I I don't even want to use that word, but you know, they've certainly at least like been able to. Um, they, they've been some... aggressive coming out. Like yeah. Zach Ryder has already like he's, he's like that's what years. that's the mindset you have to have is yep. that there's going to be that first twenty four hour period is pretty important to get your name out there, get your pro wrestling tee shop going. Get your your booking information out there like that. You there is a big spotlight on you in the worst of times, which is what this is for them. When you're outside of that system and and you know you become like a true independent wrestler, the, I mean the hustle is twenty four seven, and it really starts right now at a time when people are talking about you probably the most that that they have it in quite a while. And you know we've seen um, talk and shop uh, the the uh, MLW podcast with uh, Rocky Romero, Luke Gallows, and Carl Anderson. I mean, they hadn't even released a new episode, and it somehow reached number one in the category on iTunes uh, just out of that interest. So I think people on Sunday will be waiting pretty patiently to hear that. But, you know, it's it's just uh, at, at, at this point, if you're somebody who, who's just been released, it's about having those projects that are out there that, so that people, if they want to talk about you and they want to interact with you and know what you're up to next, that they can, do, you know, do that. If you're just a talent in NXT that is being quietly let go and no one's no one even knows it i mean i i that you know depending on i think what you want out of this thing if you want to get out of the industry completely which i could see some of the, some of these talents just you know especially the some might. ones like well yeah we, we, at this point like how much more is there left for you to do like i do really question somebody like atino sabatelli i wonder what his next move might be um, and what what is going to be the state of the independent scene when mm-hmm. we get back to shows? I mean, that's going to be significantly hurt. And what you know, a guy coming out that maybe is able to charge fifteen hundred, two thousand. I mean, is that going to be reduced by fifty percent? I mean, what are these independent promoters going to be offering? Um, e- even even the top independents that that are out there, much less the other promotions that um, are, are going to be probably you know resistant to hiring in, in large numbers coming out of this. It's it's going to be a very different landscape, for sure. You know, but uh, but of that crop that we mentioned, I mean, I certainly feel like a Diana Parazzo or a Tainara Conti or an MJ Jenkins. Even I think they they will be able to find positions for themselves. Um, it just kind of depends on when. Uh, Sports Business Journal did uh, a bit of a breakdown on the final days of the XFL. And it seemed like it was a very um, 
close-knit group or at least a closed circle um, around Vince McMahon um, because a lot of people in the league were unsure what the future was going to be. Um, a couple days prior, on April 8th, there was a call where the team presidents were informed that all season tickets uh, for next year were going to be refunded, whether the fans were asking for them or not, which that was April 8th. And then they declared bankruptcy on the 13th, which was probably the ominous sign to um, put two and two together. But as of February 9th, this is a Sports Business Journal's reporting, uh, XFL had lost $44 million and brought in revenue of $14 million. And Vince McMahon had made two secured loans to the league, one for $5 million and another on April 9th, so just days before, for $4 million. Um, before the bankruptcy filing. So where a lot of people are looking at this are state are looking at that figure that they had lost $44 million. This thing was, was just uh, DOA. But I mean, Vince McMahon had gone into this with the understanding he was going to lose a ton of money on this way more than $44 million. When you look at all the stock he had sold from WWE to uh, put into funding for the league and it was never confirmed by the league, but it was it was um, under everyone's knowledge that Vince was willing to put upwards of five hundred million dollars into this. So the idea that they were losing money is not should not have been shocking. And if anything, the league stopping. Yes, you were not going to be bringing anything in, but you also were not putting like there's your regular expenses of payroll and certain stadium leases, but there's other costs that you're not having to spend during that first season. That was always going to be an enormous money loser, but the expectation was they would at least get two seasons of play. And um, they looked at the television viewership and it certainly, uh, it, it did drop noticeably from week one to week five. Attendance actually remained like fairly steady throughout the entire five weeks. And, it ultimately just uh, came down to uh, this line. They say few people outside of Vince McMahon and his closest inner circle understand exactly. The pandemic-related losses were steep and made the path to profitability more challenging. But Oliver Luck said two years earlier that all parties knew the XFL launch would cost hundreds of millions of dollars. Others said it was simply the gradual realization of how long the pandemic shutdown would last and how long the effects would be. And I'm going to take a uh, just a shot in the dark at all of this way that they assess the landscape and realize that our ability to land a major television deal, the odds of that dramatically decreased in the last month where all of these broadcasters are hurt and their money is going to be going to established leagues and not a startup. And are we just going to throw all of this money where the odds of a big deal at the end of the day in two years is going to be there for us? And I think that's probably a significant part of the decision-making. That would make sense to me. You know, I, I think, uh, again, when this news came out, I was quite surprised by it because I, I mean, of, of, I would say all the sports properties that are really out there. I'd never really considered the XFL, you know, something that I think had been pegged to, you know, essentially have several years of loss anyway. I didn't, I didn't really see them as being on life support, but clearly behind the scenes, they, they were, uh, according to, you know, this, this report of this Vince and, and his, uh, his Illuminati of uh xfl um i guess you know uh what i don't know decision makers but um yeah i mean i i would assume that it's not it wasn't so much maybe it's performance 
this year, which I'm sure wasn't completely promising, but at the same time, it, it was probably more of a, uh, you know, looking into the future and, and seeing what, perhaps a, a bleak outlook for whatever goal that they were trying for. Yeah, and and you look at you know his his core business and what state it was going to be in and what pressures there were on available cash and maybe just deciding I'm I'm pulling the plug I'm not going to just uh, mount losses in in this company and just you know fortify everything in in WWE. But anyway, that is a a very interesting story that I'm sure we will see uh, a lot uh, reflected upon with the XFL uh, version 2.0 and. Yeah, we'll just uh, finish up here. Uh, NXT and AEW ratings we didn't get to on the Hangout, but NXT did 692,000 viewers, almost identical to last week, whereas uh, AEW did 683. But for the second straight week, even though NXT had uh, more viewers, it was AEW uh, commanding the 18 to 49 demo, uh, 0.25 to a 0.17. So while AEW would, uh, would finish ahead in the demo, I would still say that I would say more disappointing for AEW because that was a very heavily promoted uh, no holds barred match that they spent several weeks on while NXT, it was more of a run of the mill show. I'll say so. You know, uh, this was certainly a week where I felt like the pendulum would have swung back to AEW uh, and instead things held held up like as as they were for the week that NXT had promoted a takeover level edition of its show. Um, they didn't have to do that this week, and yet they still retained, or at least you know whatever value that whatever audience that they had the week prior. Uh, and AEW conversely even lost after promoting this John Moxley, um, uh, uh, Jake Hager, you know, uh, uh, match. So uh, I find that quite interesting, and and I guess we'll see next week uh, what the pattern continues to be. I think we're going to stay in this range. I think this is where these shows are going to be for for the time being. I don't think there's um, to me, if like that that Moxley Hager match wasn't a big swing factor, um, given the roster, they have a limited roster right now. That I would say for at least this set of tapings through uh, mid May or so, I think that this is kind of the range to expect AEW to remain in, and uh, we'll see if NXT has any any more um, interest um, because mm-hmm. they both seem to be kind of gridlocked in this uh, you know seven hundred thousand and under uh, level for the time being. Yeah. On Sorry. No, I, I mean, I was going to say as well, um, DVR numbers, I think, will be really interesting as well, because uh, surely I think much of the audience for both shows is being taken away by news right now. Um, and how much of, you know, somebody, an audience that would typically watch AEW or uh, NXT, how much do they still care about professional wrestling to go back and watch watch on DVR? Yeah, great point. SmackDown on Friday night from the Performance Center. We started off with a moment of bliss with Alexa. Oh, oh by and the Nikki. way, we should say goodbye to the oh to the other to the whoa. Thing. You almost got us. You <laughs> almost got us. Uh, this is going to end the free portion of Rewind to SmackDown for all of you listeners. If you want to catch not just the SmackDown review, but our dark side of the ring thoughts, uh, go on over to postwrestlingcafe.com. Sign up there. You get Rewind to SmackDown every single week, along with next Tuesday, the return of our MCU review. Uh, what am I watching this weekend, Way? You will be watching Ant-Man and the Wasp. This is the film that directly follows Avengers Infinity War. It'll uh, reintroduce us to Scott Lang. And maybe introduce us further into the mysteries of the quantum realm. 
I can't wait. So go join us, postwrestlingcafe.com. And also, uh, one, one last plug here for the Post Wrestling Game Night, hosted by Phil Chertalk, that'll take place tomorrow night on our brand new Discord, 8 p.m., and if you want to know where the Discord is, you can go to postwrestling.com and on the front page, there's a button that just says Discord. Click that to get invited into the room and Phil will be hosting uh, basically games that you don't have to download anything to play. It's a it's a Jackbox party pack that he'll be uh, playing. So a chance to interact with fellow po- postmarks and it's all completely free. 